You are listening to Las Gitanas de LA. This is your host, Coco Di Salvo. And you may wonder what a gitana is. Well, let me give you all the intel. A gitana is a nomad woman that knows her value and celebrates it. She's free, she's magical, she's pure art and has a natural charm that can hypnotize you with her stunning beauty and sexy eyes. She's the official girlfriend of the wind and she knows that anything is possible. I hope, Gitanas, you are in a place where you can receive because you know the saying that What is the saying? It's something about something and you shall receive. I totally forgot. But, you know, when you are in a place where you are ready for a change, I think you're going to like this um, because this week, uh, and it's a very special week, by the way, I invited uh, Sandy Rodriguez, who is the author of an amazing book called Tools to Prevail. It's a book with 25 amazing chapters that are independent journeys that seriously, you can just read the one that hits the spot and and doesn't matter. I mean, it's good if you start from the beginning, but it's really a book that wraps an idea in each and every chapter. And I just loved it. I love the book um, from the beginning to till the end. And it's one of those books that you can take to the beach and read it nonstop in, in like an hour, like not an hour, but you know, like a, like two hours or three hours if you're a fast reader. And and seriously, it's it's amazing. It's only 80 pages and it's very entertaining. And I don't know, it's it's I just I'm just super hooked and I am thinking I need to invite her. I need to talk about it and I need to know more. So Sandy, welcome to Las Gitanas. Thank you for joining. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how did you decide to start this self-discovery journey? Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me on Las Gitanas. I really enjoy your podcast. I like every topic that you discuss. I like the, let's say, the very optimistic and, let's say, female forward uh, style of your podcast. So that's fantastic. But, well, let me tell you a little bit about the book. I chose to write it because... Um, I felt like I wanted to create something that was comfortable and convenient to read. As you mentioned, it is a brief book. It's actually meant to be read over the course of an afternoon. And my intention is for the reader to walk away feeling much more self-accepting, more self-confident, and definitely with more faith in the future. Well, uh, that sounds really uplifting and totally totally my style. Um, Sandy, what, what made you sit down and think about choose to prevail? I thought it was an interesting thing. Well, I mean, it was a, an idea that was a long time coming. To be honest, it's something that I began working on uh, a couple of years ago, I would say maybe in 2018. But the reality is that it didn't really come to fruition until 
2020, like many people that had for the first time in forever, a little extra time. So yes. I was able to, right? <laughs> so I was able to complete the, the process. But the reality is that it's a book that kind of um, came to life on its own. A couple of the chapters had originally been blog posts or articles that had been published in different um magazines and other, uh, let's say, digital sites, both in Mexico and in the U.S. And I began to think, okay, what kind of, let's say, what is the common thread? Because I had a few of these episodes or chapters that I wanted to string together, but I didn't know how to, uh, let's say, package them in something that was cohesive or coherent. So I came to the understanding that they were all meant to help people overcome something that might be causing them grief. So I thought, okay, I'll just write more chapters, create more chapters around that same topic, focusing on what you can do to overcome something that is causing you grief. And that is how it came to happen. Now, the interesting thing, as you mentioned, it's that it's several bite-sized chapters and you can pick and choose what applies to your situation. It's something very overwhelming, such as, say, the death of a loved one or something perhaps minor to some, such as a physical insecurity or, you know, things of that nature. So problems big or small, we address all of them. Well, I just cannot imagine you being insecure for the image that that you um, project because you are a beautiful woman. Um, for those of you that you are listening, uh, you need to check out her her socials, the, the social media handle for Sandy, because she really is a gorgeous woman and, and you are um, a very respected professional. Uh, you have been in the journalism business for many, many years, and you are very, very articulated and, and you project this calmness and this zen and like you always projected this, um, this piece. There's some something um, special about you that when when you start talking, people are like hypnotized. I, I remember when I met you the first time, I was just listening to you like in trance because you were talking and, and, and giving me, you know, whatever you were telling me, I totally forgot. I was just like listening. And I'm like, this woman has really a, a, a natural talent as a storyteller. I, I thought that when I met you and I didn't know that you were thinking about writing a book, but you did tell me that you were a journalist. So it totally made sense to me. And I'm so glad that you jumped and you decided to, to do that because you really are a very good storyteller. And, and that's why I think this book is so important and so good because it's very well written. And, and I, I feel like it's very well written. It's a, it's entertaining, but it's also like you say, like it's a book that you can go back at any time and read a certain chapter and then take notes and and you 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 bring something out of that. And that's that's my experience. And I would like to ask you in, in particular about the grieving, uh, because it's something that we all experience, uh, unfortunately, um, one time or another in our lives uh, in a bigger way. Or I don't think there's there's a spectrum on that on, on grief. Seriously, I feel like 
grief is grief, no matter what. And and when you when you lose a loved one, um, it's very very hard to keep going. Even though you look like you go to work, you look like you're a positive person, and and you smile and and everything. But but it's 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 really it's really difficult in the inside. And and we all know that. My in my case, you know, I I have to. I look like in the outside that I'm very positive, I'm uplifting and and this and that, but I do I do have uh struggles with grief. And I feel like grief it never ends and it's something that you just live uh used to and like you live with grief, you know, it's it's a part of yourself. It's a part of your history and you just uh, it's just the way you manage grief um after a while, you know, but that's my experience. But I remember when I was in, in deep pain that uh, when I will wake up in the morning, that was the hardest thing for me to just like step out of bed. And because, you know, you have to do it. I know you're a mom. I'm a mom too. I, you know, I have to go to work. I have to be productive and blah, blah, blah. But then I would step in the shower and that would be like my moment. And I would cry and cry and cry. And, and it was horrible. And, and, and then, you know, the strength that you need to keep on going, if you don't pay attention to that, it, it starts hurting you, right? And and it's not only the this the stages of grief that we all know, it's also about what can I learn from this? You know, what can I incorporate to to this grief, to this pain, to to this horror that that I never wanted to experience, right? And I feel that um, art is it's a big part in 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 my case, i I kind of like found refuge in in creating uh, in my case, a play, a theater play that I never thought I would do. But as you say, with the pandemic, with the time in your hands and with everything, I just feel like fi finding that channel, finding that voice, um, it's what can make you uh, just feel better and, and, and deal with another perspective with grief. And I, I just want to know in your case, because I, you know, that's something that really captivated me, the way you... Um, um, confront uh, grief. And I know because I know you that you experience great grief. So why don't you share a little bit about that so people can, can get the picture better? Yes, absolutely. Well, without your audience uh, thinking that Choose to Prevail is all very, very heavy about these very heavy topics, because it also includes touches of humor and lighter topics. But the topic of grief is something that comes up many times throughout the book, there is one specific chapter that deals with how um, you should, um, 
how you should act when you are grieving a person. And one of the main things that I believe is very important is to do it any way that feels right to you. Because often what happens is that on top of your grief, you're also tormented by guilt or by being criticized or by feeling that you're not doing it right. Because, well, some people might, let's say, um, feel like expressing it very verbally or very visually. Some people might hold, hold it up, um, have it on the inside. Some people might take a longer time to overcome it. Some people might never overcome it. And like you mentioned, they might be living with this feeling permanently. And one of the things that I believe, uh, especially because I have experienced this firsthand and I have also seen it in other people, is that whichever way you wish to grieve, is fine. Whichever way you wish you wish to breathe is right for you and nobody can tell you any different. I know some people have the best of intentions like get over it or let's get distracted or uh, deal with it from a religious perspective or from a non-religious perspective or what have you. But really what's best for you is whatever you consider best. That is one of the things uh, regarding grief that the book touches upon. There are other things within the book, for example, and this might sound very, very dark, but in reality, it does serve a purpose. Um, there is something called memento mori, which is a Latin phrase that means remember that you must die. Now, this sounds like very, very deep, but a memento mori is like an element that used to be very present in art throughout history. For example, you might see paintings from other um decades or centuries that might include a skull or rotting fruit, an hourglass, or maybe a dead animal. And this was called Memento Mori, and its purpose within um, the um, artwork was not to horrify the viewer, to shock or anything around those lines, but rather to inspire the viewer or the audience to enjoy life and embrace life and embrace whatever uh, they can enjoy now before their time is up because we all will come to a, and then sooner or later. And just to bring this uh, a little bit more to accessible terms and not necessarily fall into the super dark uh, explanation that I just gave, a lot of things, for example, with COVID did come to an end. For example, I remember my absolute favorite movie theater shut down. Now, if I had known that it would never have been opened again, I would certainly have gone there several more times than I actually did. I would have stayed for the double feature. I would have gotten the large popcorn. I would have treated myself to the jumbo side soda. I would have really enjoyed it, but I didn't because I did not know it was the last time that I would be going there. So the reality is that knowing that, unfortunately, all of us will eventually meet uh with situations in which we will lose access or lose a person or lose access to uh, a friend, a lover, a loved one, um, a place, uh, something that we enjoy. Everything must be relished in the moment and really squeeze as much enjoyment as you can out of every interaction, every activity, every place that you go. Every day is very special because sooner or later, and you don't know when the thing might come to an end. I love that analogy because it's true. Um, naturalezas muertas or still lives in English. Um, the, those are the paintings that, that you can enjoy that describe that perfectly, which is, um, you know, the fragility in, 
uh, and the vanity of the, of the passing of life, right? Because nothing is forever. And this is something I really loved about your book is that make every day count because you're right. Uh, you don't know if this moment, it's going to be the last moment that you and I, for example, are going to chat or, you know, or you're going to go to this theater that you didn't know it was going to shut down and you loved. And so it's like be present, enjoy the moment because it's never going to come back. That is absolutely true. And another thing that's interesting about things always changing, and this is also a point that I wanted to drive home in the book, is that things, because of the very fact that they're changing all the time, eventually can and do get better. For instance, um, and this is maybe a little bit like going to the opposite end of what we were just discussing, going on to something much lighter. Uh, what we were talking about a moment ago about body acceptance or acceptance of the way that we look. Interestingly enough, uh, body types fall in and out of fashion, much like uh, clothing styles. Mm -hmm. So no matter what you look like, maybe you had an awkward period in which you felt, oh my God, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, I'm, my shoulders are too broad, my butt is too big, whatever it may be. And maybe for the time being, it was awkward, it was uncomfortable, maybe you felt like you did not have the popular body of the times, but sooner or later, everything comes into vogue, and at some point in your lifetime, you will be considered spectacularly beautiful. That's a, that's a fact. I agree. I agree 100%. And, and, you know, the other day I was talking to a friend, she's a hypnotherapist, and, and she was explaining to me uh, what hypnotherapy was about and all that. And she told me that um, what she is, where she starts is, for instance, for people that eat because they're anxious and, and they're struggling with weight, um, she always focuses on let's find the reason behind you eating so much, like the anxiety, where is that coming from? And once you know the reason you eat so much or with that level of anxiety, your mindset changes. So it's like you said that, you know, don't get so hang up on the way you look and, and oh my God, I look so awful. If you look at the magazines or whatnot, because right now the magazines are more about empowerment and you see curvy women. And we have seen Kim Kardashian that totally, you know, made a, a statement about, about women. And, and, and now like it's actually in fashion to be with a big <laughs> butt and, you know, uh, lots of curves and, and not just a stick, you know? So yeah, things change, uh, fashion changes and, but, it all comes down to just love yourself because there's nobody else. I mean, you are unique and, and, and you are irreplaceable. So you are unique, love yourself. Maybe you're in the wrong century, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> you're precious. Absolutely. Right? No, it's very true. Absolutely true. And the thing is that uh, the whole idea about, accepting oneself doesn't even need to go hand in hand with the super positive movement in which mm -hmm. people say oh, smile and the world smiles with you which is also not quite as fashionable right now as it was a couple of years ago but just self-acceptance no matter what you're like in fact if you're a little bit polarizing or a lot polarizing that could be even better here's the thing um 
the only way to have everybody like you or not dislike you is to be very forgettable and very uninteresting. For example, nobody says, oh, I actively hate dry toast. Or, oh my God, I dislike seeing blank pieces of paper. Or how horrible I saw uh, what a blank canvas. Nobody hates that because there's nothing to hate. There's nothing interesting there. Uh, however, if you go to the review websites for any restaurant, uh, maybe on Amazon and look at the reviews for a very popular bestseller, or if you go to uh, read crit uh, critics' opinions on a particular movie or a particular, let's say, art show, even if the thing like the art show or the movie or whatever it may be is super popular, a bestseller, highly, highly desirable, somebody will dislike it. And that's fine because it right. means that it's going to create an impact, right? And in fact, I found that the pendulum swings um as far in one direction as it swings in the other. In other words, if nobody actively hates you, it's likely that nobody actively loves you or your project or your brand or your art. So in reality, rather than shying away from being disliked, you can actually kind of embrace it because you know that the opposite will also take place. I agree 100%. And look at Madonna. Madonna always said that, that, you know, they, if they're talking about you, there's a reason. And, and haters, you know, maybe fans that are confused. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Haters equal motivators. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for Choose to Prevail? Okay. So we did something interesting. Um, a company called Heart of Hollywood and I did something interesting recently. We created a series of interviews with interesting people that have overcome challenges of different sorts. This was a video series that was initially shown on a brand new streaming platform. Now they're available on YouTube. These conversations, um, you don't need to read the book to enjoy these conversations, and you don't need to watch these conversations in order to enjoy the book. They are similarly branded, but they are standalone projects. However, uh, one of those conversations, I mean, it really, uh, you know, made an impression on me. I sought it out myself. Uh, back when I was living in Mexico, when I was younger in the 90s, there was this wrestler that was very, very popular because uh, he was very good looking. He's a Canadian wrestler. So because he was good looking, he became kind of like a mainstream star. And he was dating actresses and what have you. So kind of recently, I was scrolling um, on my Instagram and I saw this very shocking uh, picture of somebody like drenched in blood, like head to toe. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is awful. What a horrifying image. But then I read the caption and it was something that this man had posted, the wrestler. It was a picture of himself. And he said, well, this was one of the early matches in my career. And it was fantastic. I bled like crazy. And it was wonderful because prior to this, very few people knew me. And this made such an impact. People were shocked. And of course, many were horrified or grossed out and they never came back. But many people, you know, it made my name. This was the game changer. This was the match that moved the needle. I am so happy that I was beat up so badly that I was drenched in blood. So I thought, my goodness, what a way to reframe a horrifying situation. And I thought, this has got to be a very interesting people, uh, person to speak with. So um, I got in touch with this man and 
I was really impressed. This is a man that is currently mostly retired from wrestling, but he does suffer from a number of, of issues such as Parkinson's and other uh, different types of, of both um, physical and mental health issues. But he takes this all in stride. He's also suffering from memory loss, but he looks at the bright side. When this started happening, he went back to school to study psychology, and he wanted to see if there was something he could do to halt the progression of these diseases, and he found that, no, he could not. So he decided to take this uh, in stride and look for the silver lining. So now he says it's really great because... I can hardly remember anything. So, for example, uh, I don't feel uh, any, I don't hold any grudges. I can't remember what people did. I don't feel guilty about things. I can't remember what I did. I, If I buy a book or a video game, I can enjoy it for weeks or months on end because I can't really remember what it was about. I don't, uh, you know, feel sorry for my former glories now that they're gone because I can't even remember those days. So I thought that's a fantastic attitude and just uh, like a good mindset to have that no matter what is going on, there's something good to be found. I like that. I like that a lot because we know that depression is a big um, pandemic. Yes. Really. Uh, and especially during the pandemic and, and the for the aftermath of the pandemic, uh, there's been a, a huge increase in suicide. And I know because of what I read and what we all uh, have seen, talked to survivors and whatnot, that they all regret the moment they do it. Basically, they all regret it pretty much. Like when they jump or when they, you know, things like th that they can, they actually you know, some of them have been saved and they said that, that the minute I jump, that same minute I regretted it. And it's just like, I know that life can bring you to horrible challenges. And I'm not trying to say that everything happens for a reason because I don't like that premise either. But it's true that you, if you just hang on a little longer, it will be worth it because it will be another day and you will have another perspective. I mean, honestly, I, I struggle with depression. I am um, I'm very sensitive and things affect me in, in a big way. And I don't talk much about it because I try to be, you know, stay on the positive lane and all that. But I do, I do struggle with emotions and especially on my, on my period. When I get my period the first day, I am in such a bad mood and, and I am so like, I feel like I have like a black cloud hanging on me and I, I feel and I see everything horrible and everything is magnified. Every single thing that you say to me or that I experience, I, I realize I am aware that I see it magnified in, you know, by a hundred. And then the following day, I don't even think about it. I'm like, why? Why would I mean? That doesn't make any sense because you do change perspectives uh, because it all is like in this moment you see things one way, and then tomorrow it's like no big deal. Yes, right? and even out of uh, depression, some good can come. For example, one of the things that I touch upon in the book is that. I've found that you cannot feel 
super sad and super scared at the same time. You're either super sad or super scared. You cannot be one if you're the other. So when you're feeling really sad, it could actually be, uh, again, within reason, a good time to do something that scares you. Maybe there's something that you have been uh, too scared to try in the past, be it, say, running for public office, be it uh, speaking in public. In my case, it was driving on freeways. That's something that I had never done ever, like, just no. But then I had this um, terrible, terrible thing that I went to a few years ago. And it's just that I was, I mean, I was so incredibly sad that, let's say, fear was not even a factor. You can't even feel fear if you're extremely sad. So I used that time period to just start practicing getting on the freeway. And honestly, it's, I don't know, some something good can come out of that. But the other thing that is interesting about depression regarding what you were mentioning is that, for example, just like you mentioned, you know me, I know you, and I would say that everybody that meets you would say, she is a person that is 100% confident 100% of the time. She, was, she surely never struggles with any emotional issues. But the reality is that everybody has things going on that we cannot tell. So that's something else that I mentioned in the book, which is that we should never be jealous of people because we really don't know what's going on. We can Absolutely. see something, right? And it's not that they're trying to lie to us or trick us or be sneaky or put on a facade. It's just that that's the nature of, of the way things are. We might see, a, and I'm not even talking about, say, Instagram influencers that might be super polished in their content, just normal people that we encounter. We might say, oh, I'm jealous of my boss because she is a multimillionaire. Well, maybe so, but maybe she's also struggling with addiction. Or maybe I say, oh, I hate my friend. I hate that she has this fabulous marriage that I'm not aware of. Maybe, but maybe she has some health issue. Maybe she's deeply in debt. Maybe she has relationship issues that we don't know about. So that's the reality. You never know the full picture and you shouldn't go around them being others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because everybody has a battle, yes. you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and we don't know anything about that battle, as you say, because we are not talking about our bad times. We, we just like try to keep it together and make the best of it. And, you know, and it's true. Like people uh, may think that uh, I am a very strong and, and powerful and, and, you know, I, I, I have it, everything figured it out. And, but I, I do have battles like everybody else, uh, anybody else, really. Like I struggle with depression. Why? Because I'm a very sensitive person. I like to help people. And sometimes when I can help, I feel defeated. And, it, you know, it, and it brings me down. But at the same time, I know that it's human. It's human nature. We, we just have to accept it. We are not super powerful. We are not super men or super women. Um, we're just humans and we're here for the ride together. We need to enjoy more of each other, be more kind to each other and really um, try to be better humans for all, for, for ourselves and for others. Absolutely. That's how I feel. I absolutely agree. But, you know, also by the same token, um, so that we don't become condescending ever, when we see someone whose life is really, at least in our view, going 
very poorly, we shouldn't think, oh my goodness, they're doing terribly. I feel so sorry for them because we don't know. Maybe they have something fantastic going on that we're not aware of. So it's really interesting. Everybody has a little bit of tragedy in their life, but also uh, reasons for joy within any, any lifetime. Yes, and that's what I like about your book, the positivity, the humor, and, and I, I just laugh so hard in some parts. I just, I was like laughing by myself and, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop because I was imagining what you were saying and I was like, oh my God, that is hilarious. And I really, I, I really enjoyed it. So I think you need to keep writing about this. I don't know if it has to be Choose to Prevail too, but there has to be something else because I want more. And I feel like every single person that reads your book wants more. Um, so I hope your, your, your mind is working on something because you really need to keep writing. I hope so. You're very sweet. There is a bonus chapter. And in case any of your readers would care to read the bonus chapter, I would be more than happy to send it over. Oh, it's please. Like a, thank you. It's just like a bonus chapter I wrote that's Choose to Prevail After COVID. So it's basically like an extra additional chapter just to... Oh, my uh, God. I love that. Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> well, it was published online, especially... Well, here's how it came into being. The day that we launched the book, it was a, like a big, big launch launch with music that was composed for the book and special cocktails and a whole bunch of things. And we also did like this um, giveaway in which a reader won the, let's say, the right to tell me what he wanted me to write about. And the winner said, okay, I want a chapter called Choose to Prevail After COVID. So I wrote it for the winner and it was published online and it was sent to the winner and like in different places. But uh, it's available. So if anybody cares to, I'll send you the link. So if anybody cares to, cares to uh, take a peek, that would be excellent. And I really am looking forward to writing some more. Choose to Prevail did very well. I actually won two awards. One was the reader's favorite silver medal in the grief and hardship category, but also a very prestigious prize, which was the International Latino Book Award. In that case, I won the gold medal for health and wellness and the president of Altamed, which is like a health institution, personally gave me my award. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I'll, I'll definitely think of something that that your um, audience might enjoy. I'll if anybody has any comment about anything that they would like to read about in regard to overcoming, overcoming issues, what kind of issues, I'd be more than happy to write something for them. But in the meantime, they can read the bonus chapter. Uh, thank you. Um, I, I really appreciate that. But um, also just to wrap it up, and because you're a person I really admire, and, and also you are one of my favorite gitanas, because you literally have been all over the, the world. Yes, I and have. <laughs> I, I just want our listeners to know a little bit more about you. If you can just uh, to wrap it up, just uh, say where you're from and, and this kind of uh, amazing um, uh, life that, that you had and, and, and why it's so important for me to, um, to share it because, you know, I really like Hitanas to feel that anything is possible anywhere you go, you can make uh, another chapter of your life and, and look at you. 
please. Thank you. I think most, much like yourself, because you're also a very international lady and most of your guests, I see that they have been all over the world. I think that's also been my experience. When people ask, where are you from? Normally the default mode would be to say, okay, I'm Mexican. And yeah, I mean, in, in most senses, uh, that would be accurate. But I was born in Puerto Rico because my parents, who were architects, were doing their masters while they were there. Then, um, as a little girl, we moved to Philadelphia, where my dad was doing getting his PhD. Then we moved to Mexico City, where we lived for many, 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 many years. Um, I lived and worked there as a young adult, then as an older adult. <laughs> then I moved briefly to Seoul in South Korea for um, a fellowship program at the university there, Seoul National University, then back to Mexico City. And I moved here to L.A. Um, a few years ago, actually more than I thought, but I was counting and it's almost been 10 years now. So that's a long, long time. However, I have to say that I never felt any kind of culture shock except for minor things. It's never, I mean, because a city is a city, right? It might be very different if you move to a tiny village where one tiny village will be very different from another tiny village. But when you live in cities, all cities have a lot of commonalities. However, once uh, since I've been here, there are several things that I've found that I was neither expecting nor used to, partially because when I had lived in the States, I had been a little girl, not an adult. So these are things that I wasn't really expecting to have to do. And one of those things would be being extremely independent. I was not expecting that at all. But well, I mean, it's been a wild ride and obviously, Doing things on your own for yourself is something that, well, it's it's useful no matter what, right? I really like the fact that you are a, such an international person, such an international woman. And I also remember that you went to Asia to study. Yes. yes. Right? Yes. That is correct. I, I was part of a fellowship program for international journalists. So I was able to make a lot of Uh, friends from Asia back then, uh, I made friends from India, Indonesia, Vietnam, China, obviously South Korea, um, the Philippines, just plenty of places. So that was that was a lot of fun. And also just to, I mean, it, it, it's very clear to me that people throughout the world and certainly throughout our community are more similar to us than they are different. So that's also something to keep in mind. That's so beautiful. I love that. I love that very much. And where can we find you in your, can you give us your social media handle so we can uh, find oh, you? Absolutely. You can find um, me at choose to prevail. That would be the handle for Instagram. It's there's also a, a Facebook group by the name of choose to prevail a public group. So if anybody cares to follow or friend, that would be fantastic. Oh, that's a Facebook group. It's like, a, it's not a page. It's a group, right? It's a group. So you probably uh, have people posting questions and people supporting each other. Oh, that's uh, great. To a certain degree, yes. Yeah, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, and, and we discuss a lot of different things, both on Instagram and on Facebook. You might find 
content regarding, let's say, um, overcoming something or just book recommendations or advice for writers or advice for people that like fitness because I do or advice for people that like winemaking because I like that as well or just a bunch of things because that's something that I also feel that our life can be as rich as we want it to be. And sometimes we feel, well, but I'm a mom and I'm a wife and I'm somebody that's a full-time employee and I don't have time and I don't have time for this other thing. But another point that the book wants to uh, drive home and maybe a way to wrap up the episode is remembering that remembering that things are normally not either or. You can be more. It doesn't have to be or. It can always be more. I love that. I love that very, very much. Thank you, Sandy, for joining us today. And I'm sure the Gitanas are very excited and are running to Amazon to download your book on Kindle. I have it on Kindle and I have a hard copy as well. And I really recommend this book to anybody listening that would like to start a, a self-improvement journey and for a lifetime, really. And also to, to share with uh, friends that might be going through a, a rough time. Uh, thank you so much for coming, Sandy. I'm hoping to talk to you soon, maybe in uh, the second season of Las Gitanas that is going to be all in Spanish. And, uh, and I hope you can join and, and talk about it. Is your book translated into Spanish, by the way, or any other language? Uh, no, I actively chose to leave it in English this time around. Maybe I'm going to take a cue from you and maybe the next book will be in Spanish. That's another possibility, much like you're doing with your seasons. But this one is English only, available, as you said, on Amazon, also Target.com, BarnesandNoble.com, um, Uh, walmart.com and a number of other retailers both online and off wonderful so titanas go get sandy's book because you need it <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for coming sandy have a beautiful evening and and thank you thank you for thank your you. time thank you that was very sweet of you thank you <laughs> bye-bye